0: Oh my, oh my, it seems we've finally landed in the peach state. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Georgia. As always, these stories were sent in by viewers just like you, and if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let us jump right into these allegedly true and downright creepy horror stories from Georgia. Hi swamp dweller. My name is Seth. I'm 27 years old, happily married, and have twin daughters who are 3 and a newborn baby son who's only 3 weeks. Anyways, after me and my wife put them all to sleep, I decided to go fishing for a little while in my pontoon boat while my wife stayed in and watched SNL. I set a few poles up and rigged them up with some bluegill for catfish bait. It's only about 70 degrees outside this night, so they're still active during these nice warm days. I caught a few flathead catfish, some blue catfish from 20 to 50 pounds or so, so it was a pretty good night overall. Anyways... After I had set up one of my poles with a live shad, I heard a big rustle in one of the bushes, where it was a bit too thick to walk. It really scared me, because there was no wind at the time, and it sounded very distinct and very big. Colquitt, Georgia is mostly the usual coyotes, deer, and bobcat, but whatever this was, was much too big for any of those creatures, as the bush was too small for anything to hide in. It was actually tall enough for me to see over. Based on the height of the rustling, this creature had to be a little over seven feet tall by my estimation. We have no neighbors within twenty miles or so of us. We're genuinely in the middle of nowhere Georgia. Whatever this thing is, I knew it wasn't human as it made a raged growl. Its tone was almost primitive. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. It was like it sounded human but also with an ape-like tone combined. I have no idea if that makes sense, and I have no idea what kind of creature this could have been. At one point, I even thought I smelled something like hot garbage. I was more focused on the height of this thing and its growling. It seemed like this thing was about to break through the bush at any second, so I thought maybe it would be a good idea to maybe get my headlamp out and shine a light on it. I did have a pretty strong LED headlamp, I still couldn't see very well, even with it on. This thing probably only had a four foot shine radius. I didn't get to see the creature, but I did capture a silhouette of it. I couldn't tell if it was either black or brown, but this thing was rather tall standing on two feet. I scuttled out of there quickly and went back home to tell my wife about this thing. Like the supporting wife she is, she believed me and listened to me. Since our property is very old, and has been in our family since the 18th century. I don't doubt that there could be some interesting things going on out there. Anyways, the next day I went back out in my boat to the exact same spot I was fishing, and pulled up to the outer bank. I looked around the bush, where I heard the creature, and I saw what looked like a giant footprint in the mud. It had to at least be a foot long, 7 inches wide, and the toes far too big to be a normal human. I took pictures of it with my cell phone, and showed them to my wife now with photographic evidence i'd like to turn them in at some point to some professional field experts so they can tell me what they think it is if anybody knows what it is i'd love to hear any opinions of it in the comments down below and thank you swamp dweller for sharing the story i currently live in georgia me and my friend will call kay hike all around the state. I was watching a true crime show one night and discovered that there was a place in North Georgia called Corpsewood Manor. Some brief background. A murder had taken place in a home that two men built together from the ground up in the 70s. It was in the middle of nowhere and they were living off the land. Story has it that they were very evolved in the occult. You can look it up and get the full story on the internet. Anyway, After doing just a little bit of research, I discovered you could drive out and check out the manor ruins. So, me and Kay made plans to do just that. It really is in the middle of nowhere. The drive is down a long, dirt road. And the place is just really sketchy. The whole drive just was creepy. When we arrived, we found that the area was marked by some big rocks with spray paint markings. We got out of our cars and proceeded forward. The way to the ruins was a mini-hike and was vaguely marked. It was still daylight, thankfully, so we could see what we were doing. The walk-in was rather uneventful, and we found our way easily. We eventually came upon what was left of the old manor. As we looked around, everything seemed fine. Nothing was out of the ordinary, although I had an eerie feeling that I tried to push out of my mind. It wasn't until later that I found out my friend had this feeling too. My friend and I ended up looking around on opposite sides of the ruins. The area wasn't that big, so we weren't that far apart. This is where things began to get weird. From where I was, I could catch glimpses of my friend walking around the other side of the ruins. A few minutes later though, I would hear them calling my name. I would answer and say, I'm over here, expecting her to come look up and come to where I am. She just kept calling me and sounded more and more frantic. It wasn't until that I walked towards her that she saw me. She told me that she couldn't see or find me anywhere, even though I was seeing her and was only a few yards away. Okay, weird, whatever. At that point, we decided that we were ready to leave. During our conversation about leaving and what we were doing next, I heard the sound of dogs barking. I thought it was probably echoing through the woods, coming from other houses somewhere, even though there weren't any houses for as far as we could see. This will be interesting later. I didn't think anything about it at the time, so I did not think to mention it to my friend. So we are getting ready to head back and going the way that we had came. As we turned in that direction, we both abruptly stopped because we were all of a sudden confused. Nothing looked the same anymore. The trail we came in on didn't even remotely look like it did. The trees didn't look the same. We both felt discombobulated and confused. I took a deep breath and closed my eyes and thought, okay, my intuition and my gut will lead the way. I began walking the way I felt that we had came. After walking away from the ruins for about ten minutes or so, eventually we began to recognize some of the trees and markings that we had seen previously. We finally began to feel confident enough that we were going the right way. Breathing a, a sigh of relief as we got closer to our cars, we thought we were all good and we were ready to go home. Well, the manor wasn't done messing with us just quite yet. GPS was sketchy due to our weak service on our phones because the place was in the middle of nowhere. I told Kay that I would just follow her out, In our cars we began to drive back down the dirt road. This road was the only road up until we came to a fork. Somehow, my friend got ahead of me, and I lost her while I slowed down to check some funky mushrooms growing on a fallen tree. I figured I would catch up to her at the fork because there was no other way. I never did. I got lost when I thought my phone should have gotten service, and it didn't. I had no GPS, no cell signal, or contact with my friend until I got about an hour away from the manor. I should have already gotten full service at the fork. I never caught up to my friend and I guess we went our separate routes home. Her drive was about an hour drive or so, me a three plus hour drive. After getting home later that night, Kay and I spoke on the phone. We had no clue how we got split up or why we had no cell service until we got at least an hour away. She told me one minute I was right behind her, and the next, I was gone. She said she stopped for quite a while and waited, but I never came. Truthfully, it felt like something didn't want us to leave there. Do you remember those barking dogs I heard so distinctly while we were at the manor? My friend never heard it. After we got off the phone last night, I decided to look up some more info about Corpsewood Manor. What I found out sent chills down my spine. The murdered couple's dog or dogs had been shot and killed as well. There were also reports of other thrill seekers hearing ghost dog barks when they would visit Corpsewood Manor. Maybe this is not the most terrifying experience, but it was definitely weird and strange. Thanks for sharing my story if you do. Each year, me and one of my closest friends, who we will call Dane, go down to visit his grandparents at their cabin in a nice, small, peaceful town in the North Georgia mountains. Me, my friend, and his grandfather are all outdoors kind of people, so we are always looking for something fun for all of us to do around the area. One night, we decided to go on a night hike on a trail not too far from the cabin. Now, this isn't the kind of trail you're probably thinking of. It really is like a gravel dirt road. It's used by a lot of hunters, campers, motorbikers, and backpackers. We headed out to the trail, and right as we pulled up to the trail, we were going to hike on. We noticed an older, beat-up, suspicious-looking black Chevy SUV, with two middle-aged men in it, parked next to the entrance of the trail. Now, even though this is a safe area, drug deals and other kinds of sketchy activity can occur deep in these woods. So we avoided going on that trail, and decided to head down to another trail about a half mile down the road. We pulled up to about 50 or so feet away from the trail entrance, just outside of view from the road. We parked the truck and got out and started our hike. Our hike was off to a great start until we got in about a mile. We started to hear a dog bark from probably 300 feet away. We decided to keep going, but the dog just would not stop barking, and we didn't know if the dog was on a leash or not. We couldn't see it yet, and we were scared that it might come attack us, so we decided to turn around and head back. When we were about, I would say a thousand feet or so away from the truck, we could see a car sitting behind my friend's grandfather's truck, running with its headlights on. This instantly made us worried, because who would just roll up behind a random truck at 10 at night, on an isolated trail, and keep in mind, you would have to drive into the trail to see where we were parked. It was not visible from the road. We stood there for about five minutes trying to see if we could see anybody, but since it was so dark and far away, it was hard to really discern anything. Fortunately for us, there was a large tree next to the trail, and we were able to stand behind it so there was no way they could see us from where we were parked. My friend's grandfather took these night vision binoculars we had with us and tried to get a better look, but it was still not very much help. We decided to just stand there and wait for them to turn around and leave because there was no chance in hell. We were going to walk back with this random car potentially full of bad people sitting behind our truck. After about 10 minutes or so of just standing there, to my absolute horror, the car drove around the truck and started to head down the trail in our direction. As fast as we could, we climbed up this hill right next to us and hid behind these logs that were sitting on top of it. A few seconds later, That same beat up black Chevy SUV that we saw outside the other trail we were originally supposed to hike on comes driving down where we just were. If we were there, maybe even fifteen seconds before, they would have seen us. The car had its windows rolled down and started to slow down as it drove past us. Me, my friend, and my friend's grandfather were absolutely terrified. Our hearts were pounding out of our chest. We were scared. These guys would stop and sit there, or even worse, get out and start looking for us. Fortunately, out of a stroke of luck, the car just kept driving and never stopped. As soon as the car was out of sight, we got out of our hiding spot. We booked it back to the truck and got the heck out of there. I know this may not be as scary as some of the other stories shared on this channel, but to us, it was absolutely frightening. We don't know who or what those guys wanted. My guess is that they had a stash on the trail deeper in the woods and thought maybe we stumbled upon it or something, and were out there to confront us, or even worse. A lot of things could have gone wrong. We could have walked up to the truck just as they pulled in. What if they came out and looked for us? What if they slashed the tires on the truck? Or what if they turned their headlights off and sat there and waited for us to come back? My friend and his grandfather went back in the daytime a few days later to that exact spot where we were hiding from to take some pictures. The first picture is where we were standing, looking at the truck and the car behind it. Off in the distance, you can see our truck parked. That's exactly where we had it parked that same night. Just off to the left is the hill we rushed up to hide from the car. In the second picture, you can see where the hiding spot was. After my friend and his grandfather went back, they said they were very lucky to have made it up there successfully as it seemed impossible to do, especially as fast as we did it. Especially with all the shrubs and thorns in the way. If we got up there just even two seconds later, we would have been seen. I can only imagine what would have happened if they saw us up there on that hill that night, and what those guys would have done. Hello again. This is a follow-up story that I sent you last year. I am a guy from Cartersville, Georgia. This story I'm about to tell you is the continued part of what happened after the last night. You would think it was my story, but sadly, it's not. It's actually my next-door neighbors. For some reason, I passed out that night and woke up on the floor after hearing chanting from the wooded area behind my home. When I woke up, my next-door neighbors were panicking. I asked them what was wrong, and they said they usually take their dogs out around 3 in the morning. So they got out of bed, slipped on their night shoes, and headed out to the front door. But they said as soon as they grabbed their dogs and headed to the door, their dogs turned hysterical and snatched away from them and hid under the bed. Confused on what was happening, they decided to open the door and stepped out onto the porch. They said they smelled the nasty, foul smell of death, and then they decided to walk into the backyard because they thought that maybe something could have died on their property. They started to go into the backyard and when they did, they noticed that it was far too dark to see anything. My neighbor said there was no way it could be that dark out there, because out here in the country, there is little to no light pollution, and it generally never got so dark that you would need a flashlight to break the darkness, and when he used his flashlight, it would not break through this darkness. His wife said she had enough and was going back to bed, but before she could turn around, they said they heard me talking in the backyard asking for help. What I need you to know is that I was not even home. I was not in my backyard that night. Why would I be at 3 a.m.? What was weird is that shortly after the first call, they said they heard another one, but it was my mother's voice saying, please help. I need help. It's cold. As his wife started to step forward, he grabbed her and told her there is no way in hell she is out there at this time of night. And before they could say anything else, they heard something snap right in front of them. He said that's when he decided it was time to move, but his wife kept saying no. We must help her until she heard her own voice. Now, when you hear your own voice calling for you, this is something that's absolutely terrifying and hard to explain. She heard herself say, we must help her, in a repeated but like, almost inhuman way. It just kept going and going. After about 30 seconds, she ran into the house. Now, my neighbor said from that point on, When his wife ran into the house, a pair of almost amber glowing eyes stared back at him from after about 30 seconds she ran into the house. Now my neighbor said from that point on, his wife was in the house and he was out there by himself. He noticed a pair of almost amber glowing eyes staring back at him. At that point, he told me he almost pissed his pants right there. The eyes went from ground level to nearly 7 feet off the ground. He started to walk backwards in the front yard until he said, he swears, Whatever it was decided to move, and he ran into the house, bolting the locks, and never looking back. He immediately went to the back into his bedroom and checked on his wife, but the thing was at their bedroom window, looking in, eyes shining like a demon. His wife was not in the room at all, luckily, and then he felt a tap on his shoulder, and just before he yelled, his wife covers his mouth and whispers, There is more than one. She said when she came in the house and ran into the room, she thought We were going to die, because there were just multiple shadows. She could see a shadow stand up, but as she saw it, she had seen her husband run, and it began to move, but as soon as she turned her head, she could see a pair of orange eyes watching her. The dogs were now cowering under the bed. They both decided to lock themselves into the bathroom, because there was no windows in it. They heard scratching and voices, like their son and daughter's voice saying, Dad, we are here. Let us in, Mom, are you okay? He then decided to call their kids, but they would not answer, which most likely, they were asleep. The next day, apparently, I had come home, and I was outside for a minute. As they told me what happened, I had felt bad as if I had brought this here. Maybe I put them in danger. If it wasn't bad enough, after they finished, I told them what happened to me, and that I passed out after I had my weird encounter with this skimwalker or whatever this creature is. So, I, I tried my best to try to calm them down. After I said what I said, they looked puzzled and asked me how I knew all about these creatures. I told them that my great-grandfather is 100% Cherokee. I would not tell his name because he was a very renowned medicine man and would be upset if he knew that I told his story. But I don't know how he could tell I was part Cherokee. But as soon as I shook his hand, he said, ah, another one. I don't need a book to be able to tell my own people. Don't say a word, young man. I can feel it was here. From then on, I looked at the world differently, and I looked at my neighbors a bit differently. But after this, it seems everything went quiet, and me and my neighbor are bound by blood in a sense, the blood of our ancestors. This will probably be my last story, as I'm not going to go looking out there for whatever this creature was. Honestly, I still love camping, but I never go without protection. Don't follow the voices in the woods. It's not human. And if you are caught and devoured or transformed, then God bless your soul. This happened years ago when I was about 14 years old. I have never shared this with anyone other than now. I'm 24 years old currently. I lived in the typical southern small town neighborhood in Georgia. Church and graveyard at the beginning of the turning into a cul-de-sac. Everyone knew each other. It was one of those streets named after a family, and most of the residents were members of that said family. A guy I went to school with also lived at the beginning of the road. Across the street from me, just two houses up. We'll call him Joe. Joe and I hung out often. One night, Joe snuck out to come hang out me always being home alone didn't have to sneak out i met him at the end of my driveway and we began to walk down our street it was dark but street lights lit up small portions of the road and tree line we laughed and told jokes just talking we got to the end of our journey and we began to go back joe was walking closest to the side of the road near the ditch and tree line we walked side by side and i hooked my arm in his as we walked back Joe was tall, much taller than me. I looked over and admired our shadows, and how they looked as we walked so closely together. Suddenly, there was a third shadow. I have chills all over again as I type this. A third shadow, but not a human shadow. It was short and seemed to be hooded or hobbling. Like this thing had little legs and was struggling to keep up after us. I could still see it so vividly. I could draw it for you if I really wanted to. I was shocked. I didn't realize I had stopped in my tracks. Quickly looking behind me and back at our shadows in the grass, there was nothing behind us, and the shadow was suddenly gone. When I looked back at our shadows, this all happened in about eight seconds. Jill looked back and looked around and asked me what was wrong. I hesitated, wondering if I should say anything at all. Surely, he would think I was crazy, but I knew without any doubt in the world, I saw a third shadow. What I saw was real, and there was nothing that could be debunked about it. I just quickly said, no. I just thought I saw something. We continued our walk back to my driveway, and I went the heck home and did not speak of what I saw. Months would go by and my friend, who we will call Jen, were hanging out. Once again, we were at my house alone. Once night fell, we decided to take a walk down the road like we often did. We began our trip giggling out the front door. The porch light only lit up a small part of my large front yard, which was surrounded by woods. The opening of the long, winding gravel driveway looked like a black cave, trees towering over both sides. We walked down the driveway, fall leaves crunching beneath our shoes. We got to my mailbox, and before I even stepped a foot on the pavement, we stopped. We looked across the road at Joe's yard. Too far to see anything, but we heard leaves rustling beneath the tall light in Joe's backyard. Must be a dog, Jen said, unsure of herself. Yeah, I think so, I replied to her. We stepped out onto the pavement, when suddenly the rustling of leaves just grew louder and louder, more fast-paced. The feeling of panic hit us like a ton of bricks, and before we knew it, we were running as fast as we could up my driveway. I could still hear the leaves moving. We kept running. I tried to look back, and Jen said, No, don't look back. We finally made it to the opening of the yard, and could see the porch once again. I tried to slow down, telling Jen, Okay, we're good now. She quickly replied, still sprinting, No, don't stop. We did not stop running until we got through the front door, locking it, practically leaping up the steps of the porch. I tried to ask Jen if she saw anything, but she brushed it off as nothing. Honestly, she tried to say that she was too afraid to slow down and didn't see anything. This is where the story really starts to trouble me. A year or so later, we moved from that house. Jen and I were sitting in my new room talking. I brought up the story of Joe and I walking and explained to her what I saw. Her eyes grew huge. Her mouth nearly fell to the floor. She looked at me with the most terrified look I have ever seen. She said, That night something chased us up the driveway. I saw the same thing. Something short, dark, and hooded. That's why I didn't want you to look. I didn't want you to panic. It was behind us. I saw it. Please note I had never shared this experience with her before. She never knew what I saw. The following Monday at school, we were encouraged to go ask Joe about what he had experienced in the neighborhood. His words were, there are little people in the woods, and he was so calm. He said it like, that was like so nonchalant. He said there was a name his dad referred to them, but he cannot remember it. But hearing that statement, there are little people in the woods, still haunts me, along with the hobbling shadow behind us that I know I saw. Does anyone know what they could be? I have never seen them since. If you share this on your show, thank you. Thank you for reading this. I'd love a response if you have an opinion on what it could have been. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the state of Georgia. It seems the state of Georgia is growing more than just peaches out there. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button because it helps us out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to The Swamp. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us a lot on those platforms. If you're new to The Swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Down in the comments below, I'd love to know what story was your favorite tonight. I know, it's always tough to pick one, isn't it? If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but would like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and maybe becoming a channel member, check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Thank you guys as always for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this without you guys. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.